that message. Boys and girls, you can slip out with Miss Hannah to Children's Church. As they're moving, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. Is your Bible kind of worn out at Colossians yet? It's not a bad thing. Let's kind of wear it out all over on our own. Colossians 3, we are to verse 16, but we need to remind ourselves that Paul has stated that we are risen with Christ, that Christ is our life. Go over that and over that and over. Christ is our life. Our life is Christ. We might think, oh, no, it'll be otherwise. Well, if it is, then we are living in rebellion. And it will be a very unvictorious life, and it will be sad. Christ is our life. And in lieu of that, he gives us a list of negatives. Mortify, which means put to death. Well, that's negative. Mortify, get, put these things to death. Consider yourself, reckon yourself dead to all of this garbage of the world. And then he also says, and put off, and put off, and put off such things as anger and wrath and malice and filthy communication. But then he changes his tone and begins to speak to things that we should put on, some additives that every Christian should have, every Christian home should have, and the local church must have, and they included mercy, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, forgiveness. And then he said, and above all, put on charity. You just cannot... You just cannot be charitably loving enough one to another. He says, above all things, get this thing right above all things. And he had seen in other churches where it just wasn't the case and how hurtful it was in those churches. Charity was not something that was a benchmark, a hallmark for the church of Corinth. They were less than charitable one toward another, and he has to write a scathing letter to them for their lack of charity one to each other. So, very important that we understand this. And then he tells us clearly, verse 15, to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And he says about that, that we are called together in one body in that peace of God. We are to govern ourselves to be governed by the peace of God. It needs to come over us, and he's putting us in a position to do that. There's no question. We are to do that. And he says, going forward, let, verse 16 now, are you ready? Let the word of Christ dwell. Again, the word let and dwell, same Greek word. So that it can be read and should be read. You dwell in the word of Christ as it dwells in you. It needs to absolutely saturate you, take you over. Look at it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, liberally, copiously, and how? In all wisdom. Well, the way we get that wisdom is through the, the, our prayer of faith to the Holy Spirit to guide us to the wisdom of the Word and then spending much time in the Word. So it just becomes common for us to respond, act, react, to answer based on what the Word of God says. And he goes on to the portion that we are looking at. He says teaching and admonishing one another, that is, in 
in scope and sequence, giving the education of the Word on an ongoing basis, day in, day out. Don't get tired of that. Dads in your family, individual Christian in your own personal life, Sunday school teachers don't get tired of that. Awana workers don't tire of that. That's a work that we are supposed to do, teach, 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 and admonish. That is a word of correction, giving kind rebuff and rebuke where, where necessary. Back again, teaching and admonishing one another. How? Well, certainly with the, with the spoken word, but he is giving us another option here, another way to get that out through psalms. That would be music that has singing directly from the scriptures. You've sung the 23rd Psalm before. You've sung things like, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll walk with him all way. You've sung scripture through psalms and hymns. We determined from reading, from study, that hymns are music with singing that speak to the Messiah. His birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his service in heaven on our behalf now, and his coming kingdom. Songs and hymns, hymns speak to the Messiah and remind people of the Christ that's in the verses here. It's all about Christ, which is the Greek for Messiah. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, spiritual songs, those are songs that just come over us by the Spirit. Literally, it is to be read songs that come on you by the Spirit, spiritual songs. Don't expect that to happen if you don't walk in the Spirit. You spent no time in prayer and with the Lord. That's what this solo was about. How long has it been? <laughs> Should smite us. How long has it been since you spent some time on your knees? The more time we spend on our knees, the greater possibility that the Spirit of God is working within us and bringing up the song that we need at the right moment. Furthermore, that song must be absolutely founded on the Word of God. So the more we take on the Word of God, allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly, the more possibility there is of us just having a song of the Spirit come out in us. Did that happen last week? We started this last week with you. Did you find yourself just singing songs? We mentioned the fact that you need more and more and more of that. For that reason, when the request was made that maybe we put some uh, CDs out here for you to get and put them in your, uh, in your CD player in your car and play them over and over and over, I said, we absolutely need to do that till we wear them out and then go buy some more. And to transplant, to replace, to position the music of the world where the world uh, is uh, entrenched in it and bring in in its place music that honors the Lord in every way. Fill ourselves up with that. Back to the verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Get this. Singing with what? Say it, class. Singing with grace. Now, Paul, as he writes to the Ephesians, he says, singing with melody. Well, melody isn't dissonant. Melody isn't hip-hop. Melody isn't where they take these records and scratch them back and forth. That, that is of the world worldly. Melody is something completely different. And he says that in Ephesians. Here he says to the Col Col Colossians, he says, singing with grace where? In your 
heart and to the Lord. To the Lord. So now to your outline that we only started last week. Let's go through the introduction again. Music with singing, a phrase that starts every one of our points. Not that music alone. We heard this beautiful thing, um, trio, I guess it would be, in musical form for our offertory. It was very good for us to be able to look at the words on the back of our, our bulletin to know what that music goes with. Here he is saying, speak to one another, so it bears up that music with singing is the focus of the verse. Music with singing helps to share, I'm sorry, shape, did that last week too, shape the theology of the church. So very, very important. It will start by shaping it in your heart so that you will naturally bring it into the home and the homes will naturally bring it into the church. Next point. Many doctrines have solidified in our hearts through the music we sing. Whether you can sing it well or not. The Bible says, make a joyful noise. If it's a noise, so be it. But the songs that you sing will help to solidify those doctrines of the word in your heart. God knows it. That's why he put it here. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns. And he says it to two different churches. Music, the third point, with singing helps to develop the spiritual moral fire fiber of the saint, the home, and the church. It will develop fiber. It will develop groundwork. It will solidify us. Sing it alone. Sing it together. Some of you travel a long ways to church. I made this point last week. I'm making it again. Sing all the way there and back again. You go as a family somewhere, make it a point to sing together. Then, the next point, the end of Colossians 3 and verse 16, the end of the verse, is a directive to us to sing. I knew a man, he was, I was friendly with him. We were on good terms, but he would never sing in church. His mouth would not move. I won't tell you what he said and why he said he wouldn't sing, but it was so ridiculous, so ludicrous. Take a look at Colossians, buddy. Look what the Word of God tells you to do. I don't care what your voice sounds like, even if it sounds like Pastor Peterson's. Sing out. Because you have that directive to sing. Last point leading into the message. So, this message is meant to help, help. That's all I can do. It'll be up to you. It's meant to help reaffirm our church's commitment proper music. In five and a half years, I've not heard any music in this church where I would say, the Lord wasn't honored by that. Stated in another way, everything I've ever heard in this church, the Lord was honored by. It was not something that was an attractant to the lost world to try to get them under the hearing. God doesn't work that way. He's holy, and he didn't need us in the first place. He certainly didn't need the world's music. And so this church has done a good job of it. And like I said last week, you might think, oh, pastor, you're preaching to the choir. Well, we're human. And it's possible for us to get into a treadmill of even music. And we need to break that, making sure that we are a church bringing music in the way that honors the Lord until the Lord comes back. So if there is one or more of these points that is knocking on your door, open the door. Pay attention. 
to what God is saying to you in this regard. And to understand and praise the Lord over and over for what wonderful music this relatively small little church out in the prairie has here. There are big suburbanite churches that don't have music like this. I could tell you of some. There's this large church with this huge arena. It's beautiful. And they have this guy to get up to sing solos. Folks, if it's possible, he's worse than me. What are you doing? Put that guy in the choir and tell him to sing low. Tell him to sing. But what are you doing? We don't have anything. This guy is flat as he. I understand flat. He's down there. Doesn't happen here. There are churches, reasonably large churches, that don't have instruments to use. We are awaft with instruments. Praise God for it, but let's not take it for granted. Maybe this message will help us in that. Your first point that we looked at last week, while you're turning to Psalm 149, your first point that we looked at was music with singing is part of divine worship. If I were to ask you, why did we meet today? Give me two reasons. Why did we meet today? Give me two reasons. Why did we meet today? Give me two reasons. They would have to be to waste my time. No. No, that's not why we met today. We met today because God calls the ecclesia together for worship of him and edification of the believer. Worship that way, edification of the believer. Part of the reason that we sing, certainly it does things to our own heart. Certainly it solidifies doctrine in our own heart. But it is a sacrifice to the Holy One of Israel. It is part of divine worship, so sing out. And there's a whole list of verses, that scripture that we gave you last week. We looked at some of them, but one I want you to add to that list would be Psalm 149, verses 1, 4, 5, and 6. 1, 4, 5, and 6, Psalm 149. Add that to the list under Roman number 1. They would be, praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Now that word new song doesn't mean keep making up new songs, though that's not bad. It means sing it with a newness, a freshness. Think of it again. Sing of it with new fire and new desire. And do this in the, look, the congregation of saints, really? Yes, come together to sing. Skip down to verse 4. For the Lord taketh pleasure. Oh, really? Don't do something God hates. There's lots of those things. Take opportunity to do things that gives God pleasure. The Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud. (laughs) Even when you're in bed. Have you ever done that? Your wife might go, stop that right now. Sing even when you're in bed. Verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in the mouth and It is a two-edged sword in their hand. Skip across to verse uh, the 150th Psalm, and you see that music is also to be made with instruments, trumpets, and psaltery, and harp, and tremble, stringed instruments. God wants us to use instruments as we sing. So there's an additional passage for you, Psalm 149, 1, 4, 5, and 6. Go to the next point, point two. But we have to go back to Colossians. Quick, 
Go back to Colossians chapter 3. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry, hurry. You say, I've already memorized this verse. I want you to look at it anyway. Colossians 3. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Next phrase. Singing with grace. Point two in your notes is this. Music with singing is to be done with grace. Hmm. Done with grace. If I were to ask you a definition of grace, just about anyone in here could come up with something along that line. Well, grace actually has multiple of definitions. And in this case, it would be the best way for me to reference it would be, have you ever heard grandma, we don't say this much around our tables these days, but did you ever hear grandma or grandpa say, Jimmy, would you please return grace? Or would you please say the grace? You go, it doesn't work. Oh, yes, it does, because there's the meaning. You might want to jot this in your margin. The word grace here speaks to, first of all, reflection, and secondly, gratitude after we reflect. Look back on all that has been done, and then thank the Lord for it. One of the songs that immediately comes to my mind is, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, then what? Reflect. Count your many blessings. You'll find that God has only started, and what you're doing there is reflecting, and it will naturally take you into gratitude. You'll start saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. So now you're going to Psalm 9, Psalm 9, about this point. Your first point under music with singing is to be done with grace is this. With holy joy for all that the Lord has done. And we put the word holy in there for a reason. To, make, to lift it up, to make it very special. The joy should not be flippant joy. It should not be silly joy. It should not be passive or trite. It should be something that comes from the Holy Spirit within with a joy that is within our hearts. Look at Psalm 9 and verses 1 and 2. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Instead of grumbling about what is not, what we don't have, what is hurting, what is when upon life's billows were tempest-tossed, instead of talking about the tempest, stop and talk about all the wonderful things God has done for us And one of those is, he's preparing us a place. He's coming back to get us. And one moment into eternity, and we'll forget all of the tempests of earth. Verse 2, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. First point, when we sing with grace, it is with holy joy for all God has done. Go to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. Now you might look at that and you say, I'm not sure that that connects with the point. Look at point B. 
with a humble trust in the Lord's merciful care. The scripture will help you to make the connection. We're saying singing is to be done with grace, with humble trust in the Lord's merciful care. Really? Some of you have already made the connection. Look at Psalm um, 13, verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in thee, I'm sorry, in thy mercy, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. This is the Psalm of David. And Psalm, David was in many catastrophic situations of life, way more than most of, if not all of us, could ever have imagined. There was a wicked king out to kill him, and the whole army was out there to get him, except for the few men that banded with him. And yet he was able to look at this situation and say, my trust is in the Lord, in humble trust for the Lord. I know he will care for me. Now, you already have a hymn in the hymn book coming over you right now. And if not, you need to know your hymn book better. You need to know your Bible better. As we sing, it is to be done in grace, saying, I know the Lord takes care of me. And I know the Lord, as I walk out of these doors in about 15, 20 minutes, the Lord will take care of me. And so there's every reason for me to sing with gratitude, with grace, in my heart to him before the week even commences. As I sit in church, I can praise him, that I can trust him for the outcome of the coming week. Very important. Now I'll go to Psalm 47. Last point. Under this point, music with singing is to be done with grace. Reflection and then gratitude. Reflection, gratitude. Psalm 47 Verses 5 and following. God is gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises. What's going on here? Folks, that's the way the Psalms were. That's Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry doesn't repeat just because they ran out of words to say like a lot of these little music books that come out in hip-hop churches today. He means it. Every phrase, sing praises, builds on the former. Sing praises. He is becoming more and more adamant about the fact we are to sing praises. And to whom? Unto our king. Then he says it again. Sing praises. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below, and praise him above, ye heavenly hosts, you angels. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Have you ever sung that while you were on your knees? Do that tomorrow, and then get up and go out the house. Don't ask him for anything. Just sing that song and get. You've done it from the heart. He'll be glad to hear that. Yeah, but, 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 but then he won't hear all my needs. He knows your needs before you ask. And you probably already asked for those 22 times already. So how about just sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thank you, Lord. You got everything taken care of. You don't need my help, so off I go to the day. Important for us. I haven't finished the verses. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne. 
upon the throne. Your point is this. With praise for his power now and always. He does not lose power. It doesn't go away. His power is always there. And he's got the same power available to us this week so we can praise him and we can sing in the church, we can sing in our personal hearts, we can sing as families with grace and gratitude that his power will uphold us, his power will bulwark us, his power will guide us along. Third point, go back to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Verse 16 of Colossians 3 reads this way. Let the word of Christ dwell. Dwell in the word as it dwells in you, richly in all wisdom. That portion of that verse really bears up the point that we're about to make, point three in your notes. But it goes on. In all wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. With wisdom, get understanding. And now put it to use. Act in it. Teaching and admonishing one another. Once the wisdom is within, then let it out to the people around you from a biblical Christ-honoring, Messiah-honoring standpoint. Admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, Reflection, then gratitude in your hearts. In your hearts. Go to Psalm 57. The point in your notes, if you picked up an outline, is this. Point three. Music with singing is to be done from the heart. From the heart. Two points that I could think of that would be very appropriate to this message are the two that are given you there. Look at Psalm 57, verses 7 and 8. Where David, writing again. Now, again, you go back in the context and David is talking about all the pressures he's under, all the stresses he's under. And when he gets to verse 7, he says, But, but, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. The word fixed there, it's in your notes. It's in the, in the script, in the writing. Fixed means fashioned. I'm sorry, fastened. Or stable. Pretty much the same. My heart is stabilized by you. My heart is fastened to you. My heart doesn't waffle. It doesn't go here and there. The poor lost world, they have a heart too. And it is not fixed. It is as the troubled sea when it is tossed. They don't know which way they're going. In fact, they don't know where they came from. So they listen to educators that say, well, you came from a They don't know why they're here. And for that reason, even though they are loaded with goodnesses, 
all the wonderful things that the world can give them, especially as they live here in America, they have much, but they have nothing. And they know it. So the people with the most are the people that are most suicidal. Not surprised, because their heart is not fixed. They throw all this away as garbage, and they go after more, and they think that will fix or stabilize their heart, and it will not. And it also leads into the fact that they don't know where they're going. They don't know where they came from. They don't know why they're here. don't know where they're going. Their heart is not fixed, but the believer is fixed. He's fastened. He's stabilized. And David, as he writes about this, says, and so it comes out in my singing. That stabilization comes out in the songs that I sing, songs that are full of doctrine, and I just naturally bring those forth. My heart is fixed. It is a fixed heart. Secondly, go to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 14. We talked about this last week, and the verse that we looked at last week was verse 26. And we actually were a little premature in last week in what we were saying about this passage. I want to go back to this again. You need to get this. Paul is writing to a church, and he's writing to the church before, look, before the canon of scriptures was complete. He was writing to a church as the New Testament church was just being founded. And God in his grace and mercy had poured out in the church through the work of the Holy Spirit some very, very special gifts gifts that could be shown until God would bring them to an end when that which was perfect was in, had come, when the canon of scriptures was complete. And until then, God would pour out on them a number of gifts, not the least of which was the speaking in tongues, so that lost people that did not speak Hebrew or Greek could hear the gospel. That would be the only reason God would give them such a gift. The idea was not to flaunt that, but to go out on the streets and give this, because they didn't have, as God was getting the church going, they didn't have uh, language schools for these people to go to. He wanted many of them to hear this at Pentecost and shortly thereafter as the church was underway. And he also gave them prophecy. And yes, they do continue to prophesy throughout the book of Acts until the canon is finished. In fact, they do all the way till 95 AD when John is pinning Revelation. So here are gifts that God was giving. But he points out something very, very important. Verse 26 was the verse that we looked at last week from the 14th chapter. Now we back up a little bit to verses 14 and 15. And with the background I just gave you, help that will help us hopefully to understand what he's saying here. You do find the word in verse 26, the word psalm. Do you have a psalm? Hath a doctrine and so on. Now verse 14. For if I pray with an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. We could spend a symposium on that verse. We're not going to. Verse 15. What then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. There's songs and hymns and what? Spiritual songs. I will sing with understanding also. Go back to your notes now. Here's the point. 
And this is where preaching to the choir, a church that's just blessed with music, where, well, it comes down to some admonition. You can call it a lecture if you want. You can allow it to step on your toes if need be. Because it does to me on a regular basis. Get this now. Here's your point. A heart of understanding, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and 15. A heart that is stable. A heart that understands. A heart of understanding. And what does he mean? Well, please take it from me. I've looked at commentaries on this. This is not just my little concoction. The heart of understanding that he speaks of here in 1 Corinthians, Paul writing to a church, is this. You've got a rather long blank. I will speak slowly, but if you don't get it all, you can see me after church. Understanding. To use our intellect. To use our intellect so as to know, K-N-O-W, know the meaning of the theology of the songs we sing. To use our intellect, understanding, so as to know the meaning of the theology of the songs we sing. So I'm saying to all of us, including me, In our hymn book, and the songs that aren't in our hymn book, a lot of times we hear beautiful music put to words. And that's the way we treat it. Oh, I just love that music. And we don't stop to think, no, it's the words that are important. And we always want to sing that song over and over and over. Why do we want to sing it over and over and over? Because of theology? If it's because of the theology in the song, now you're wanting to sing the song for the right reason. But if you're wanting to sing it because it's just so beautiful, I will, I will agree that there are some songs in the hymn book, I don't know who wrote the music. It's like, ah, who wrote that music? You might love it, and I particularly do not, and vice versa. But most of the music is just so beautiful. We've got to be aware that we do not get caught up in the musicality, if I can use that, and forget the theology. Sing badly and understand well rather than sing beautifully and understand little. So very, very important. So that you don't keep singing words over and over and over and over. Have you ever done this in church? I'm going to watch you now. Have you ever done this in church where you're singing along, you've got your hymn book, singing along, because I've done this, singing, 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 and look around the church and other people singing? I'm, I'm going to say I'm a judge of character in this regard. I've watched people on. You even pay attention to the way you're singing down there. And why did I criticize them? Because they criticized me. Because there have been so many times where I was singing, I didn't even think. This is beautiful. This is something that is so good for Remember, it, it fixes our heart. That the theology, your initial points, singing shapes the theology of the church. The doctrines solidify our hearts toward God. So it's so important, that, and then that we not sing songs that are theologically skewed or theologically mishmashed. And I've got a, 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 where the rubber meets the road admonition for you here. Boys and girls, 
I'm talking to everybody teenage and below. So are you listening, Madison? On your way home, if we sang a song and you go, I didn't get that. What's that all about? Do understand that some of these writers go back to the 1700s and they wrote it in 1700 lingo. So ask your dad, what did that mean? And the song that came to my mind immediately when I when I wrote that little admonition down to us was this. Uh, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Do you see how you can mess up that phrase? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. That's not the way you're supposed to look at it. It's supposed to be my sin, comma. And then parenthetically, in parentheses, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Then go on. My sin, not a little bit of it, but the whole is nailed to his cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Now you can sing it as well. It is well with my soul. And so somebody like Madison might on the way home say, Dad, what does bliss mean? Because Madison hasn't said bliss all week. Neither is Michelle. Neither is Abigail. So Abigail is asking Dad, Abigail, you're asking Dad on the way home, what does bliss mean? Because it's kind of old English. And Dad's going to go, ask your mom. (laughs) But that's the point. If Dad doesn't have it, then the whole bunch of us sang today and we didn't understand the theology. We must use our intellect to know what it's saying. It fastens it and it's the framework of our, in our hearts through music. Bliss means the joyousness. I am so happy that all my sin, it's a blissful thought for me. It's a happy thought that my sins, all of them, all of them are nailed on the cross. Makes us sing the song in a little bit better way and not just blah, 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 blah. Can I please sit down now? We've got to get over that. There's your lecture. Last point. Back to Colossians 3. Everybody go there. Because there's one more phrase that we haven't touched on. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Well, I want to say, first of all, that I cannot see the hearts of any person in this room. Everyone in this room, as I look over, all the little bitty ones that just can't grasp this are downstairs. You know if the word of Christ is in your heart. And you know if it's there because you've asked the Lord Jesus to save you. If the spirit of Christ is not within you because you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you don't understand this message. And we want you to know that God's word clearly teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That the wage of that sin means that you've got to be away from God forever and ever. Eternal death. You will still be alive. That is, you'll still be aware, but you'll be away from God. But that the gift of God is eternal life. And by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, shedding his blood, atoned or bought us back. It covered our sin and bought us back. And all we have to do is by faith accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. You need to know that first the Spirit of Christ must be within you. And we are giving you an invitation before we finish this 
this message in about two minutes. We're giving you an invitation to come to Christ. Ask anyone in the room, show me how I can know I'm on my way to heaven. We'll be glad to show you. If that person that you ask is kind of unsure, they will point you to somebody that can. So that you can know you're on your way to heaven. We don't want anybody to leave without the spirit of Christ within. Now back to the verse. This is for those that have trusted Christ as Savior. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And you can do this in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, you are to do it, with grace, reflection and gratitude, in your hearts, a fixed heart, a heart that's stabilized, a heart that understands the meaning of what we're singing. And then the last phrase, to the Lord. To the Lord. I made a little light of this last Sunday, but I'm sure that this is the case with some of us. I I enjoy watching the mother who puts their child up at the piano for their first offertory of their life. I don't watch the child play. I watch the mother who's going. I'm wondering, I wonder who that child is playing for. They're praying for lunch, so the mother will give them lunch because if they mess up, no lunch for me today, buddy. After all that work mom put in. Or they're playing for grandma. Folks, here's the point. As unto the Lord, yes, as unto the Lord. Not as unto grandma, not as as unto... You understand that the music of this world, the music that the world produces is for performance. Scratch performance. Understand that in the church, it is to be a ministry. I try to say that from time to time. Here is a ministry in song. Here is a message in song. And so I'm saying to you, here goes another lecture. Do you expect your Sunday school teacher to come prepared? I do. So we will expect you to come prepared when you come to minister music. Do you expect the pastor to come prepared? What if the pastor were to come in on Sunday and go, Oh, I forgot it was my turn to preach. I guess we won't have preaching today. Or will you expect him to be prepared? I'm telling you, the music that was brought today could be used of the God of heaven in at least as great a way and maybe greater than this person preaching a message. Your message and song is used of God. It's in the book. We do it to him and he is pleased with it. We do it to him. It makes our connection ever stronger. We do it as unto him and he is going to bless it to the hearts of his flock. So get yourself prepared. Do the best you can. But on the other hand, know this, that God knows, get this, boys and girls, God knows our frame that we are dust. So don't come up here scared. Come up here sharp as you can. But just take a deep breath and say, Lord, you know I'm just dust. And you know I'm doing this as unto you. I'll do the best I can today. It alleviates a lot of the nerves and lets you just get on with it. Because you're doing it as unto the Lord that knows the hairs of your head and the atoms of your makeup. And he's making your heart beat.
not you. And if you're doing it with the right heart, he is pleased with it. And you don't have to worry if you missed a note or got the words a little backwards. He is pleased with that. Do it with grace in your heart to the Lord. It's all together fitting then that we would end our services every worship edification service in song. Make a habit of it. We're going to do that after we close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the wonders of music. You could have made us creatures that couldn't even carry a tune. You could have made us creatures that couldn't understand music, could never have developed an instrument, could never have put the music. You could have made us creatures that couldn't appreciate music, but instead you did all of the above and more. Music is so good for us. Such a blessing. We pray that it would grow in us and grow in this church. And I want to thank you on behalf of First Baptist Church for the way you have put the music together of this church. Bless it always. We know how you will use it. That is, we know you will use it even though we don't know how. And we pray that you'd bring honor and glory to yourself as we finalize our, our message today, our time together, our worship time together with a song of worship and praise toward you. In Jesus' name, amen.